0: All right,
1: hello and welcome to RealCom's second installment in the Enterprise Tech Series. I'm Chuck Nice, longer president of nice nets Consulting, your RealCom guest host for today's webinar, Investment Management Solutions. And thank you for tuning into the live session or viewing this as a recording. This webinar will be slightly different from others we have been doing because we're going to be discussing a representative example of an investment management company's technology requirements and interviewing potential vendor partners as you might in a vendor selection process. More on that in just a bit, but before we get started, let me go over a few housekeeping items to help you have a great webinar experience. Thank you to our live attendees. We do encourage you to use the Q&A box at the bottom left of your screen to submit questions or comments. I have a ton of questions lined up for this group, but if your question does not get answered during the webinar, we will follow up with you directly. You'll find today's presentation and the one from part one, along with the presenter's bios, in the handout section of your GoToWebinar control. For the best results of this webinar, we do recommend closing out any other internet applications, especially streaming videos. Don't watch Run on Hulu, the mom is crazy. Watch us, you'll get a lot more out of it, I trust me. If you are experiencing any technical issues with connectivity, sound, video quality, The best thing to do is to disconnect and then click on the webinar link again. You can also email Sarah Bemperid at S-B-P-M-P-O-R-A-D at realcom.com for help during the event. But don't worry, you won't miss anything since you will receive a link to the webinar recording in the next few days. This Educational webinar is supported by our outstanding sponsors. Appfolio has both property management and investment management applications that are seamlessly integrated to work anywhere, allow you to work from anywhere, business continuity and keeping connected with teams, customers, tenants, and investors. DealPath is real estate's most trusted management platform, empowering smart investment decisions with data driven insights and digital collaboration. Real Foundations is a professional services firm focused on helping real estate companies make smarter decisions and more profitable decisions. They are recognized as a world leader in digital collaboration and Yardi provides innovative industry leading real estate investment and asset solutions for organizations of all sizes and asset classes globally. A connected tech platform that optimizes efficiencies collaboration and transparencies from investor to lease. And we are always so grateful for what these vendors bring to our industry, to RealCom, and to educating our viewers in sessions like these. Be sure to check out these companies as part of your vendor evaluation process for a wide range of investment management solutions, integrated products, and professional services. And finally, our moderator today is me. So you're stuck with me for the entire time. I've already introduced myself, so let's get started. I'll just take control of the slides. Here we go. I want to introduce you to this idea of a cumulus perspective. It's a way to think about how the systems are put together. I'll, I'll explain it to you as we go. You'll see application data represented by a line, and you'll see a common data key at the at the bottom. And if we think about what many companies are using today, the ERP systems forms the base of the cumulus cloud. and then all of the smaller clouds, that form the top part of the cloud are then integrated and sometimes merge with each other. When when you think about third-party companies that have merged together through mergers and acquisitions. And then those systems are either represented, many of you might be doing this in Excel, uh, or it might be linked directly into your ERP system. And so when we start with a system like this, it's just very different from every company. And I think that's an interesting part of this discussion is the starting point of every company. Then you add on more things and you start to ask more questions about the th- third party vendors and th- for your, maybe your system solution, or you've got an Excel spreadsheet that you're using. So it's Excel, it's single vendor, it's multi-vendor, it's a combination of everything. And the different color bars represent different data sources within it. And if we think about lining them up, think about an internal data stack or an external data warehouse, in order to make all that work together, we've got to have some kind of a common data key. And when we align on the common data key, like property ID or asset ID or property code or fund ID, then we can start doing greater analysis. And data analysis really is the key part to the solution that we're looking for. When we think about that whole data set, then all your applications portfolio all together now, especially if they're band-aided together through Excel, you start to get surrounded by different challenges within your investment management applications, including operational risk, where maybe one or two people might know how that homegrown systems works. It's labor intensive with manual data entry has a potential for high turnover when employees get frustrated. Data integration uh, in order to avoid duplication or potential for errors, you're really looking for a single source of the truth For regulatory reporting uh, and new ESG reporting, the system has to be able to evolve and be able to get uh, additional reporting requirements throughout. The data quality governance uh, often precedes integration projects where you want to have uh, ensure the quality of the data, the accuracy and the efficient integration. Uh, Many of us know and many of you I'm sure know living with spreadsheets uh, is one of the main competitors, vendors will tell you that they see in the market because they have that double-edged sword of being extremely flexible and extremely customizable. But then they also have hundreds of tabs in them with referential links, very high prone to errors. And senior executives then have to ask for reports from someone who actually knows how to run the system and get information out of it. And there's no separation of roles with spreadsheets. You either have access to it or you don't. Uh, Scaling and expansion, just thinking about the level of effort that you have to have in order to bring on new properties. And it shouldn't be a linear relationship. I remember talking to a CEO at one company onboarding three properties they thought should equate to hiring another property accountant or an asset manager. And that doesn't have to be the case. I think you'll hear that from several of our technology partners. And quality data analytics, Uh, it makes it nearly impossible when the systems are siloed. So to have that integrated structure with data is where we want to go to to be able to have quality data analytics and even move into prescriptive and predictive analytics. So uh, that's how this uh, system evolves. All of you may have something a little bit different. I do want to run three survey questions with you to try to get an idea of where you're coming from, where is the audience looking at today? So let's bring those up, Ian. We'll take a quick survey on is your company considering uh, upgrading to an investment management solution? I'll give you just a second or two to uh, to answer that. Shouldn't take long. You know. It's either yes, no, or you're not sure. So
0: let's see what the uh, what the consensus says. So over half the audience says, yes, they're going
1: to, they're going to be upgrading, and uh, by, uh, only 22% say no, so you must be satisfied with what you're doing, and 22% say not sure. Let's check another stat here. Uh, which one of these statements best describes your current investment management s- system? tried to include just about everything that could be a possibility you may be doing it ex- exclusively in Excel you might have a single vendor multiple vendors with third-party all of the above or you're just really not sure and you've tuned into this webinar to try to figure things out so all right let's take a look see how that distribute distribution looks 25% Excel 25% single vendor Nobody with multiple vendors—that's that's great. Well, I guess that's not true. All of the above is 13, and then not sure is 38. So uh, interesting. One more question, real quick. If you know, if you can, uh, you can put not sure if you're not sure. How does the system move between applications? As you saw in the data cloud, those each one of those smaller clouds represented a third-party product or an Excel spreadsheet or some way, and you've got to get the data from one system to the other into your your GL, your AP, and all of your reporting systems. So uh, it's either integrated, it's outsourced, or you're moving it manually or some combination of the above. Let's take a look and see how that turned out. 38 integrated, nobody's outsourced, nobody's moving it manually. I find that hard to believe, but some combination of the above 38%, and that gives us a good idea. All right. Very good. I think that's awesome. Let's uh, I want to bring in Stephen Suriano. He's the director of IT for DRA Advisors. And Stephen's going to talk about a representative model that we put together so that we have something to talk about. We could have done this 100 different ways, Stephen, but I think you've got a good source. It's a realistic model. And uh, I'm just going to uh, sit back a little bit and let you talk about it. If I have a question, I'll jump right in.
2: Thank you, Chuck. So uh, Chuck has tasked me with simulating a firm that's looking for a technology solution in this investment management space. Um, I chose two technologies plus related professional services that I thought fit well in with this uh, group of uh, technology sponsors we have today. So these are real needs that my company had in the past um, and I'll I'll speak to uh, the real constraints that we had when we were trying to fill them in. I'll try to speak to them as if it's current to uh, go along with the simulation that we are looking for solutions right now. Um, but, you know, we do have some things in place and we were facing these actual constraints. So, you know, we are a real estate investment firm that does not manage our properties ourselves. We use dozens of third-party property managers and joint venture partners, and they're all on their own platforms, the various leading platforms that are out there. Um, And we didn't, we chose not to make them all join one single platform. Uh, We have an existing data warehouse that's evolved over past 10 years or so and that's really the hub it's a hub and spoke model with all those properties out you know coming into that data warehouse as well as various technology vendors at our enterprise level so we do have a lot of in-place integration um, and we wanted to minimize disruption to the pieces of our platform that work. And we want to minimize the disruption to users with those existing applications and the existing integrations, but we wanted to fill in some needs in investment management and deal management. Let me let me stop you right
1: there, Stephen. You know, I want, you can go back to that slide. Yeah, you mentioned minimizing disruption. You know, implementing a new system is going to be disruptive. So, how do you what do you mean by minimizing disruption when we put in a new system? So
2: so we wanted to improve the current processes and reporting and everything else just around these pieces without changing everything before and after and around those systems so we want to, to find a system that we could plug in without saying well if you're going to do this then you're going to need you'll need to change five other somewhat unrelated pieces um and especially when you consider you're putting in a new technology you're replacing something whether it's manual um and you want to you know you want to improve as many things as possible so some things from the user point of view will improve some things may stay the stay the same the worst case scenario are the pieces that get worse from their point of view and that's all the users will think about so well, I think
1: that's that's an important part because oftentimes uh, my question right here, as a consultant uh, for the for the for the, uh, the for the client, would be, what's the relationship with the senior executives, and do you have an executive sponsor that says, we've made the decision, this is what we're going to do? And for those resistors, those people that don't want to get on the system or don't want to participate and, and help make the new system good, we have a name for them. They're called former employees, right? That's, that's one way to handle it. Is that is that this is it? Was there part of that happening?
2: Well, they w- it would only be that extreme if they didn't want to change the actual system that we were changing. So we're going to definitely go out of our way to to minimize the effects outside of our, the existing system. For okay. instance, right. if there's something, if there's data already in the data warehouse before this, it, it better still be there after this. Got it got it all right let's hear the rest of your requirements all right so the first piece we'll we'll call investment accounting which is an important part of investment management and the first line here it's the basic blocking and tackling it better do all of the erp things well you know just like a modern system with all the bells and whistles that you would expect um we were coming from a legacy erp that didn't understand investment hierarchies it didn't understand funds investors deal structure. you know all those levels of a deal structure including jv partners so a purpose-built investment accounting system will do that for you as well as integrating the capital transactions which are necessary for all kinds of kpis and sometimes are you know go along with journal entries sometimes not sometimes do so you need that functionality um as well as you know you're creating this hierarchy you, it needs to be an automated consolidation and set of elimination rules so you can generate gls or financials at any level of this hierarchy so that's the hard part that investment accounting does um for us you know we know if we have this system and you pick a vendor that either integrates with another vendor or has it within their own stack, you can do other things as well as investor portals and dashboards that, you know, maybe replace our existing um, dashboards and CRM functions with investor letters and statements. And then all those pesky Excel models that we talked about, you know, it wasn't going to be day one or phase one of the project and it may never happen. Um, and you could choose do, to do it in the same platform, or go in go in a different direction, and you could, you know, plug in different pieces from different vendors.
0: I want to so ask in, you a quick
1: question on that on on that slide. Is does potential future projects translate to? Uh, we'll see how the initial implementation goes, and if you don't screw
2: it up, we might give you money for, to do something more. <laughs> it could, it, you know, it could be it, it could be part of that. Um, But it's also individual decisions you know different um costs and benefits and you know for example in excel um something that always comes up i think so many people use it for waterfall models right now and and part of the reason is because people can understand it and you can hand it to a jv partner and they can look at it and audit it um there's benefits to it being in a system and there's a cost to it being in the system. And and it's kind of tough to figure out is which is better, which will have fewer errors, but also which is more understandable and auditable by the interested parties.
1: Uh, I'm curious too, whenever you've got the Excel models and then later on, you put in a new system and the end results don't calculate to the same uh you know the same levels the same the same NOI, what then that, is that a real
2: problem well yeah that, that would definitely be a real problem but there's also a big benefit you know if things are in excel and then you move them to a system it doesn't always make sense to get rid of the excel because now it helps your data governance it gives you something to check uh, okay, um, cool. yeah. you know if something's wrong in excel it could be a problem with a formula or you keyed in the wrong um number and inside of a system you could have configured it incorrectly or or typed in some wrong number so boy do i i love being able to compare kpis and you know results from different things so deal management um you know it's such an important part of our business but they were kind of left on the outside for a long time and they had excel based checklists and they did a lot just using file folders and and email and leasing really went a long way and a lot, there there's a lot of support out there for that whole leasing process um, so we wanted to do something similar for our deals and I'm talking about acquisitions dispositions and financing so it's to track that information be able to report across all of these deals and you know do do interesting things with workflows with both people inside and outside of the company. Was it
1: important to carry those documents with it from the beginning stages all the way through to to
2: to the dispositions, the life of the asset? Well, you know that you could you you could do. We chose not to. Um, you know, it was really the until the deal closed, and then it went back into our um, main repository where you know, that is a constantly growing repository during the whole life cycle of owning the property and ends with the disposition. So, you know, there some pieces might go back into um, the deal management system at disposition, but during that hold period, we're not gonna maintain it in the deal management system because it's not a deal anymore. Um, we'll, We'll use lots of the metadata to compare it to other deals. But we'll manage it inside of other systems. Okay. Um, So service providers, professional services, obviously investment accounting is a very, you know, complex um, project and you definitely want some serious expertise helping you do it because it's not just one way to do it. You're going to have a lot of decisions to make and and you're going to want somebody experienced to help you do that. Um, we all know what implementations take. Now on the managed services side this was always a battle where all of the users want to consume information from our systems but they don't want to dedicate themselves to entering quality information on a timely basis. So we want to take advantage of managed services and primarily it's the abstract data take unstructured data and make it structured <laughs> That's a good Are question
1: good? Oh, okay all right no you're good all right so So let's let's do this, Uh, Stephen. I think uh, we've got a pretty good idea here of how this is laid out, how the you know, we want to bring in a professional services to help us with the implementation. Somebody who's done this before can identify issues that are likely to pop up along the way. So I I think uh, I think uh, I think we're good. We got it. Okay all right so what i think we're going to do here is uh just take a quick break we're going to watch uh, a, a yardy uh, video and then i'll bring on our, our Yardie representatives to talk about their
0: All right, very good. We're back
1: uh, with Chris Barbier. Chris is the industry principal for investment management at Yardi. Chris, welcome. Thanks, Chuck. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, uh, you know, Chris, I was going to tell you, uh, I had a pr- prospect who filled out the call me form, uh, contact me form on several different investors, including Yardi. Yardi was the one that came back and and, and responded to their Call me. So congratulations on on getting staying on top of those. Uh, but that was what the client decided. That's the reason how they picked Yardy. I said, well, you might you might want to have a few more questions. Uh, so I, I helped them outline a few questions. But I'm very interested to see what Yardie's offering today on the investment management side.
3: Yeah, thanks. Uh, I think what we wanted to do is just kind of give you an overview of what we're doing from the investment side and then open it up for some questions. I think a lot of people familiar with Yardi as it relates to to what we've been in the industry for for many, many years now from a property management perspective, uh, but may or may not realize that we've been kind of helping clients on the investment side of real estate for almost close to 20 years now. Um, And that has really evolved into a full suite of products that kind of help with really what I'll define as everything above the asset. So we have Uh, Different clients, you know, managing, you know, properties from a back office perspective within kind of the Yardi framework. But from an investment suite, uh, we really pick up above the asset. So starting with investment accounting, Stephen was talking a little bit earlier about uh, some of the needs and requirements around investment accounting. Big part of what we do with our suite. Uh, consolidations from financial reporting perspective, uh, capital transaction processing, really the sub-ledger uh, for contribution distributions, the ownership structures, uh, funds and partnerships, and, and different types of, of structures that, that we see, uh, and all the reporting that goes along with that, a big part of what we do from a, a back office uh, perspective uh, as it relates to investment accounting. Um, in addition to that, Uh, We also manage debt, uh, and this is debt both from the borrower's perspective and accounting for for debt loans within the portfolio, um, as well as a trend that we're seeing with a lot of clients where they're taking uh, the investment perspective in debt and being able to account for that uh, within similar types of structures. Uh, So that's another kind of component that we have uh, from a back office perspective. Uh, And then there's different stakeholders within the organization that that I like to kind of call the consumers of the accounting information from an investment perspective. Uh, Those can be uh, those people responsible for investor relations or communicating with investors, being able to understand uh, what current investors' positions are in their investments or their partnerships, being able to communicate out uh, with those investors uh, as well as fundraise for either new investment opportunities uh, or new funds. Um, And then other internal stakeholders, you know, different organizations have different titles, different roles, portfolio managers, fund managers, asset managers. uh, But those that are kind of looking at uh, the overall performance of investments, the performance of the assets, uh, doing comparison to industry benchmarks um, and really trying to understand what they can do to optimize the yield out of their assets and ultimately uh, returns out to the investors. Uh, which is kind of our our last uh, uh, kind of constituent that we uh, provide solutions for, which is how do our our clients communicate out to their investors uh, and how do they uh, communicate in terms of a portal, uh, in terms of both reporting uh, as well as kind of real time or, or kind of published metrics coming from uh, the application in terms of their uh, current investment positions in a specific fund or partnership, um, as well as ha- what's happening operationally within the assets that may be driving that. Uh, so these are kind of when we talk about the investment suite. Now it's really a series of, of products that address uh, these types of stakeholders from the back office to other kind of internal stakeholders, uh, ultimately out to external stakeholders, uh, with investors as well.
1: Looks good. Uh, well, we can, Steven can come back on if if, 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 unless we had to do a Heimlich, uh, a maneuver on Steven, I'm not sure if he can make it back on. So hopefully that's good. You're all right, Steven? I survived. Okay, good. All right. Well, well good. you know, that I, I do want to just mention too, Chris that, uh, that those sound really great for for potential new clients. I imagine it can be pretty scary because that just sounds like a, the tremendous amount of scope. How do you handle this as far as solutions being implemented in phases?
3: Yeah, I, I think you know that's exactly right. And Stephen touched on this a little bit earlier, especially when he's talk, talking about investment accounting. Different organizations, different structures, different levels of complexity. Uh, so, a phased approach is definitely a key to that. And, and I think you start with, you know, uh, who's the business owner? What are some of the key problems you're trying to solve for? Um, and where can you gain some immediate efficiencies? Uh, And then you kind of layer on, and you you saw that in the presentation that Steven did earlier about kind of some of the future projects that kind of go around the core. Uh, So in this case, kind of looking at the requirements for this organization, uh, it really starts with that kind of uh, back office investment accounting piece as kind of the core. Um, And you would want to start with that and start gaining the efficiencies there from an accounting perspective, from a consolidations perspective. Um, And then there's opportunities potentially to build around that in the future. Uh, But in in terms of the requirements set forth in this example, that, that would really be the key to start with um, and then build around that based on other priorities and, and availability of the staff.
1: I, I want to key off on something that's on this slide, the single connected solution. One of the requirements that Stephen uh, mentioned was they, they've got multiple systems from yep. third party vendors. And sometimes that idea of a single connected solution just, just is confusing to people. Can you expand on that?
3: Yeah, well, I would say there's there's two ways to look at that. Um, one is from the asset operations perspective. There's multiple business models, right? We do have clients, whether they be owner operators with investments or uh, institutional owners that have use third parties that may have them all on a single platform. Um, and there's reasons and efficiencies to do that. And then we have other clients, you know, similar to the, the case that Stephen uh, brought up, where the the um, you know individual property managers are using disparate systems, but they're bringing in the financial data into the system and then doing all the investment accounting and consolidation work above that so that's kind of one definition of the integrated solution as it relates kind of going all the way through down the property operations i think the other key thing just within the investment suite whether it be the investment accounting or how we report out to our investors that's all contained within a single connected solution as well so even as it relates to the investment accounting data on up to through to investors uh, that's all contained in in one application uh, environment
1: Stephen, did you have
2: anything to add to that? Well, not directly related to um, that question. Um, A question that I would ask Chris is um, when we look at Yardi, you know, and Yardi is such a vast platform, um, we see some components are in Elevate and some components are more in the traditional Voyager. Um, And I was curious, will that all come together one day in – elevate, I assume, and and what would the timeline be for that?
3: I can't speak to the overall timeline because there's a lot of moving parts within the RD organization, but I would say yes, that is the direction that we're moving in. I could speak even within the investment suite uh, there's there's work uh, going on right now, uh, moving some of the investment accounting interface into some new look and feel., uh, you see that with a lot of the newer products in the product suite for investment uh, management. So yeah, I would say you know Voyager doesn't go away. It still remains kind of the core back office. A lot of the business rules and definitions reside there. but we are looking you know constantly for ways to improve that user experience and leverage some of the other technology platforms to do that.
2: <laughs> okay. Um, so another go ahead,. Go ahead I was just gonna also ask, um, You know, companies that have been using other systems, uh, whether it's Excel or something else, have a lot of old data for outdated funds. But you do need to bring some of that together, um, you know, to bring those returns together across those funds. And does you already solve for that?
3: Yeah, you already does solve for that. But I think going back to Chuck's initial question about the phasing aspects of an implementation, when you think about performance calculation specifically, um, and I, you, could, you could argue that the waterfall kind of computations fit into a similar model there as well, uh, if you were going to automate that, um, that's a little bit different than just kind of a, a, what I'll call a cut and run from an accounting perspective, like bring our balances forward and start in a new accounting system. To your point, you need that data since the beginning of time, all that transactional data, which typically resides in Excel. Um, And, you know, I don't think there's a technology challenge to move that data into any application. Uh, I think what we've seen with clients is there's some business process challenges where you consistent in your approach uh, to calculating a specific metric over a number of years. um, And how do you want to kind of you know, finalize that in the application as part of the uh, uh, the accounting on a go forward basis, is going to be automated for you. But to your point, bringing that historical data in, validating it, making sure it doesn't change from what you already kind of maybe sent out to your investors, but then being able to automate that going forward is a project in and of itself and, and typically done as a secondary phase uh, after that core accounting is, is put in place.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I see again, I'm going back to the survey. We had 56 56- uh percent say they were considering uh upgrading to an investment management technology which sounds you know fantastic what should a company do to prepare for that is a a data governance project like the first thing out of the gate that you would recommend or 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 what would be your initial approach
3: Yeah, I I think it depends on the size of the organization, too, right? You have different size organizations at different stages in in their kind of life cycle. But I would say data governance is an important part of that. Um, I would say the business sponsorship, as you mentioned early on, like who from the business is owning which parts of the application Um, And then knowing when to leverage kind of the third parties to help um, and and where to leverage those third parties to have a successful implementation, but also be able to take ownership kind of post go live. Uh, Those are all kind of important aspects. And I think just that phased approach, right, like putting it into realistic uh, chunks of work uh, that you can get some wins within your organization um, and then build upon that over time. (laughs)
1: Maybe the prioritization comes from who's screaming the loudest. I'm not sure if, <laughs> that if that's kind of the way it works in your organization. I've seen that in in others, but uh, you, you know you can't do everything at once and you can't boil the ocean. So um, right. I, I think uh, make, making sure everybody stays engaged on a long-term implementation is is kind of tough. How do you how do you how do you do you use the concept of short sprints in order to do that?
3: Yeah, I think each each uh implementation team is a little bit different. Again, a, a lot of it depends on on the client um, and this and that scope, but I would say it's phased scope, right? So it could be again, depending upon what the client is trying to do. Uh, maybe you're trying to get a fund or a, an investment up and running first. Sometimes the approach is let's put the newer investments on first and, and then bring the older investors on uh, investments or maybe they're going to sell off. So maybe there's not a need to bring them on. So I think it all depends on the situation. But to your point, I think it's 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 working with the client to identify what those kind of right size components are to, to see success.
1: Sounds good. All right. Well, well Chris, thank you so much uh, uh, you know, glad to have you already included in our uh, selection process. And uh, let's take a quick break. We'll get a video yep, from okay. our uh, Appfolio and we'll uh, bring on our next speaker.
4: Real estate investment management can be chaotic, but it doesn't have to be. At Appfolio, we believe powerful, innovative tools are key to a successful business. And we've been revolutionizing the real estate industry for over a decade with award-winning software listening to customers is in our DNA and we know that you're ready to rise above old industry inefficiencies to take your business to the next level that's why we created Appfolio Investment Management an innovative software solution thoughtfully designed for investment managers like you our simple cloud-based platform helps automate your workflow empowering you to serve your investors and raise more capital with unrivaled efficiency Evolve your business beyond endless spreadsheets. Now you can have a robust CRM that lets you organize all contacts and assets into one central hub for a powerful, seamless experience. What used to take hours now gets done in minutes. Manage active investments, calculate waterfall distributions, and easily share documents with every investor. You can also review each investor's capital summary and investment history at a glance keep every investor informed and engaged with their own personalized investor portal. Here, they can monitor their investments, view new fundraising opportunities, and have access to all documents you've shared. They can also conveniently submit online signatures. The ability to evolve is essential for your business to grow. At Appfolio, we're committed to bringing you the innovative solutions you need to achieve your goals. Invest more and manage less with Appfolio Investment
0: Management. All right, we're back. And
1: I'm gonna introduce uh, Rich DeMail. Rich is the Enterprise Solution Engineer at Appfolio. uh, And Rich, uh, great video, uh, a lot of great information in there. I think the end users will have a lot to to take away from it. Uh, Tell me a little bit more about how your product? What are some of the strengths that you would uh, use to apply to this particular um, this particular representative company?
0: Yeah. Hi, Chuck. Good morning. Uh, thanks for having me today. Um, yeah. I you know the the video actually highlighted some of the the things I think that were in line with the presentation that we saw previously. I I would say you know one thing that um, that I think differentiates Appfolio is, uh, we have a corporate value at Appfolio. It says simpler is better. You know, we, we started the company uh, in 2006, and uh, yeah, that was one of our fundamental concerns, uh, usability, user experience, ease of use, and ease of adoption. And we really took that to heart when we uh, developed the solution. Our solution is very much purpose-built for the investment management and real estate community. And um, I think, you know, as you look at our applications, you know, a lot of people tell us that, hey, things are really intuitive. It's a quick, you know, it's quick for us to learn, it's quick quick for us to adopt, and we really take that seriously at our company. Um, some of the things that, um, uh, that, w- that were in the presentation previously that I just kind of want to highlight, um, uh, investor relationship management is one of them. Uh, investor relations is is really a core part of our business. Uh, deal management in particular, uh, managing customers through um, their, you know, or, I'm sorry, managing investors, you know, through their acquisitions as, as uh, active investors, very important um, for our uh, system. Uh, the fundraising activity is a, a key part of what, you know, we bring to the table as well as a fully functional and very easy to use investor portal. So we can share information, collaborate with uh, potential investors and actual investors, uh, you know, throughout their life cycle with uh, our customers. Um, And then the other part is kind of the basic blocking and tackling of an investment management solution. When you get into, you know, things like, you know, complex, complex entity structures. And you know waterfall calculations and managing all the transactions, uh, you know contributions, distributions, capital calls, etc. Simplifying that, getting our customers less dependent on things like Excel, which are you know kind of a high risk endeavor, is very important to us. And getting that in a system that's traceable, auditable, and um, reportable is really important as well and then i would just add it's not on the slide here but we have an underlying foundation for property management you know for property managers as well as a, a general ledger so you know uh, i i think we t- check a lot of the boxes that were on your charts right. uh, but not all of them and, and again, uh, that's fine.
1: it's good to know so i mean i'm gonna yeah. see if even can come back on you may have some specific questions but right now my my question to you is the uh, in- investors, uh, that investor portal, is that typically where clients would want to start? Because they, if they're not doing an investor portal and they're emailing out documents and they know that that's not really the best way to do things, the most secure way to distribute uh, information, distributions, uh, documentation, investment results, uh, performance, that sort of thing. Do you generally find that that investment portal is the, right at the top of the list in, in the implementation?
0: it's it's very much at the top of the list from our customers in terms of where they see value in a solution, right? You know, it's very front office oriented. It's, um, you know, it's the bread and butter of their organization. It's investor relationship management. And it, it also is useful in helping them acquire new investors, having a portal that they can interact with potential investors as well as existing investors. So the portal is actually, it is one of the, one of the easiest things, I think, for us to propose to uh, our potential customers, because many of them, in, in in my experience, many of them have maybe you know manually built a website, but it's not integrated to you know everything they do. It's not integrated to the fundraise process. It's not integrated to their targets uh, and reported as such. Uh, it's not integrated with you know the collaboration and communication with the potential investors and the investors. so there's a lot of efficiency gain that's potential there, and many of our customers that's like the first thing they say, uh, even though it may not be the first thing that you implement because there are a lot of foundational stuff that that you know is important. Um, when they come to us very often the first thing they say is, Hey, I need a portal' <laughs>
1: Is that, Steven, is
2: that how it was
1: in your group? Was that right at the very
2: top of the list? Well, having a portal was very important, but we had done that before we had the investment accounting system. So now we're in the situation of, do you replace one with another? Um, so that, that's one of those uh, questions.
1: Okay. I would think too, once they maybe rich, once they see what you have to offer, uh, and and the the risk and the level of effort to maintain one that you might have, especially if it was a, like you said a homegrown portal that was developed through a web developer, very different from what you might have with an integrated system.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's fully integrated. Um, it, it, you know, it's integrated with all the all the back end processes that go with that. Uh, it's integrated with you know things like tracking contributions. Well, you 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 know you acquire an, an investor and eventually you're gonna to wanna to call capital from them and then you wanna match that against the, the, the contributions in the system, um, you know, you need an integrated solution to do that. Otherwise you're doing everything offline and you're doing everything manually. And that's what most of our uh, new customers that are looking for solutions are, are looking to automate. They wanna make that seamless, they wanna make that more, work more efficiently for them, and they wanna be able to smooth That acquisition process, and then also integrate it with the active investments. Like once you, you know, once you get to your target on your fundraise, you want to be able to quickly convert that right over into an active investment and start managing the transactions, um, you know, which we do as well. So uh, the portal, yeah, it 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 is a great um, lead-in for us. There's a lot more to the system than that, but customers really like, you know, the portal itself.
1: I think one of the areas that I was talking to a, a, a client that, that I was talking to with at RealCom just a couple of years ago, their senior executives, anytime and in the investment uh, service group that would actually speak to investors, whenever they got a call from an investor, they'd always have to run in to the person running this Excel spreadsheet to say, what were the distributions? How's the performance? What, what, are, what funds are they in? How is this set up? And, and there was never any role-based login, but once they got a little more used to these systems, how, how does your system handle that role-based function so senior executives don't have to go running with their hair on fire into their fund accountants office?
0: Right. They they don't have to run to those accountants and say, hey, you know, investor XYZ needs, um, you know, a report that shows his, uh, you know, all his distributions for the last, you know, quarter for the, you know, three or four investments that, you know, he's, he's working with us on. Um, that's all they're available to him. Um, so, you know, when uh, an investor wants information, they just go to their portal. Like, you know, of the time, all the information is there. So, uh, you know, they have their, you know, they have their cap table from their perspective on the portal for all the investments they're, they're, you know, working with us on. Uh, They have uh, detailed transaction history. Uh, They can, you know, filter that, you know, transaction history any which way. Uh, They get notifications when we issue distributions. Uh, They get notifications when we you know, receive contributions, etc. So it, it's very interactive, and they also have the ability to download everything. Um, you know, we you know we share uh, reports with them. We share um, you know interactive data, which they can drill down on, um, and uh, you know they really have access to almost everything. They can even like commit to an investment from the portal too, wow. and that'll update our system. So yeah, I mean, um, yeah, it's very interactive and it's very, um, you know, it's very much two-way communication.
1: Well, it's, it's it sounds great, and I think the idea too of figuring out a metric of from the investment group, investment fund managers, of how quickly they can get information out. If much of it is self-serve, so uh, Rich, we're going to have you back on at the end, and appreciate your your information. It looks great. Uh, we're going to switch to a a, a video presentation. Thank you, Rich. And uh, we're going to hear a little uh, uh, information from DealPath.
5: To invest millions in today's market, your deal team can't rely on emails, spreadsheets, and physical documents. Let's go from offline to online and make data your competitive advantage with DealPath. As your command center, DealPath streamlines deal flow from pipeline to portfolio management, empowering you to realize operational efficiencies, grow top line, and uncover the most profitable opportunities. Built by real estate experts, chosen
0: by market leaders. The industry's most trusted real estate deal management platform, DealPath. All right, we're back and I am with Joe Moskowitz. Joe is the Director
1: of Business Development and Strategic Solutions at uh, DealPath. Joe, welcome.
6: Thanks, Chuck. Thanks everybody for having me. Um, so I'll give a little background on, on DealPath. Um, We were founded in 2014. We're duly headquartered both in San Francisco and here in New York where I'm based. Um, And really what we're striving to do is to be the central command center for all things deal management. Um, So, you know, as it's sort of displayed here in this visual, um, we're trying to sit at the center of whatever deal management means to our customers, whether it be acquisitions, dispositions, refinancing deals, um, you know, debt and, and lending in and that whole area. Um, and how can we layer automation, create efficiencies, and ensure that our, our clients are continuing to work their deals through their life cycle um, in a smart way to sort of create that sophisticated modern investment management shop. Um, so what we strive to do is to you know create a user interface that's, um, that's friendly, that's intuitive, and that's configurable, and that's that's really key for us because we understand that all of our clients have very unique ways to go about um, their various deals, right? Um, whether it's different deal types, whether they have different um, methodologies for geographic areas, um, different tasks, um, and, and leveraging different teams, we need to be able to create efficiencies and, and, and add value for all those different scenarios. Um, so what we do is really try to combine um, what we see as industry best practices across the board with um, configurability to be able to solve for um, what's specific to our to our investors right to our to our investment management clients. We don't want to enter into uh, you know their their tech stack, their tech ecosystem um, as Stephen was alluding to earlier, not having to really undergo a large amount of change management, right and so, we strive to really get an understanding, uh, a deep understanding of of what's working well for them, what sort of workflows and reporting um, goes into successful deals that they've executed on in the past, and to really sit in the middle of all of that.
1: Do you, do you find, and Stephen, feel free to to jump in whenever you're available, uh, the, do you find that you, you really have to sit with them to see what their current process is like in order to be able to figure out, not only how to model it, maybe you want maybe maybe modeling the current process is not a great idea because the process isn't good, right? You might recognize that right away. What are you looking for whenever you're doing that with a client?
6: Yeah, we actually uncover a lot of that before our clients are leveraging Fieldpath because a huge part of the value that we need to show before they sign on as a customer is what is this going to look like when you're using it, right? Because we can't really come into an organization and say. Here's a generic platform that you can leverage for deal management. That's not that's not the value that we add. That's not what our clients are looking for. So, you know, early early in our conversations, we really just try to have a, a conversation. We we try to get an understanding of you know what happens in this scenario. If you're looking at um, you just raised a, a fund that's going to focus on um, industrial assets or, or multifamily assets, which we're seeing a lot of today. Um, what is that going to look like for you so that we can then, you know, manipulate the platform, repurpose it, um, create uh, the things that you want to see, configure it to a way that is going to make sense with you're doing things and and modernize your process a little bit, not, you know, create net new processes unless there's something that you want to happen, but but add sophistication and, and, and modernize that.
2: Uh, a- any questions on that one, Stephen? Uh, no, other than uh, you, you did mention customization, um, and I just kind of think when you're talking about deals, it's a little bit less structured than other pieces of information in, in real estate. So you did mention you can customize, like, is that a strategic um, intent of DealPath is let every company, every client, you know, start them out with a template, but, but let them build it from there? You know, what is it they want to consider a deal and what is the information that you want to track?
6: For sure. We've seen we've seen multiple scenarios. Right. So we can, you know, come to the table with um, sort of templatized. This is what we've seen for typical acquisitions. And we can start there and sort of iterate on that. Um, But more frequently, what we see is. Let's partner and build something within DealPath that is unique to to us in this organization, and let's make it successful, right? And that's really the core of our implementation process. And, you know, we have our data model, and at the top of our data model is the deal and the property, Um, and then we do have a very high level of configurability. And on the customization front, um, we enable our end users to build out um, info fields, which are really just, you know, data fields within our platform that they wanna see uh, as it relates to either the deal or the property. So it's, you know, custom data fields within the framework of our data model and then allowing that to be passed through our API framework.
1: What about uh, when you run into a client where they might have a very complex uh, workflow with an investment committee that has to do approvals for uh, their their deal procedure, their review process is complex. How do you model that? I mean,
6: it all starts with getting a really under a really deep understanding of what that looks like, right? Um, and then configuring the platform to enable them to be successful and automate that um, in deal path. And um, you know, that's that's part of our implementation process. Um, we recognize that um, often. You know, our, our our clients have very specific ways they go about their investment committee approval process and what their investment committee wants to see out of an IC memo. Um, so we take all those things that they're sort of married to and they want um, to automate, and we do just that. We, we automate the way that the data gets populated in an IC memo. Um, we format it and enable our users to iterate on the formatting of how that's going to be displayed. We can automate the... Um, the exporting of that, we can automate who um, has access to that IC memo um, and then sort of leverage our configurable workflows to play into their processes um, as it relates to the, the investment committee.
1: Got it. The, uh, you know, I think one of the other uh, areas that people have struggled with was the, all of that documentation uh, and where it gets stored. Is it stored internally into the system? Does it go into a Network shares? Is it part of a different document management system? How do you interconnect with that? Yeah, I mean, you know, we're
6: we're a SaaS platform. It's it's stored it's stored on Dealpath. So um, solving the problem of hey, what's the latest and most updated version of this you know of this IC memo, or where can I find the latest um, updated data on this deal that I'm working? It's going to be in Dealpath, and any of the data points that um, Relate to each other in DealPath. You know, if, if one's updated, it'll update everywhere in the platform. If it's on the IC memo and you update it on this page over here, it'll feed the IC memo. And so it's a way to really add a layer of data governance on top of on top of the deal workflow, which is you know something that we've seen as a major issue that a lot of our clients are facing before using DealPath because they live in all of these various Excel models, all of these various Excel-based pipeline trackers where, you know, there could be multiple versions of that and they're not sure where it's stored or what's the most updated, um, you know, data set.
1: I think one thing, too, with clients where one of the things they're most interested in is how is it going to integrate with my ERP system? How am I going to get information from an existing deal? Thinking about acquisitions. I've heard, you know, maybe for every 100 deals, 10% move past the letter of intent, maybe term sheet, and of those, you know, maybe only uh, maybe 3 or 4 might actually close. How does that then flow into one of the main uh, ERP systems? Yeah, and 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 we're definitely thinking about that, right? We
6: we're solving for the deal's life cycle from um, the opportunity to executing on that deal, but we recognize the fact that, you know, we're, we're coming into uh, a sophisticated tech ecosystem, a tech stack where we have to interface upstream and we have to interface downstream. So um, how can we ensure that, um, you know, we're ingesting the opportunities that are coming across our clients' desks, but also when you execute on a deal, as you're talking about, Chuck, how do we hand that off to the ERP? Um, and so we are, you know, we just joined MRI's uh, partnership program. We're going to be doing the same uh, with Yardi, um, and we're always looking for ways that we can interface with these ERPs, right? And then, you know, the use cases are, there's multiple there's multiple of them, right? How can we pass the necessary deal data to the accounting administration team to create that net new asset record in Yardi or an MRI? And then on the flip side, you know, how do we bring that data back, whether it's to kick off a disposition workflow or to just allow our deal teams to have insights into the owned portfolio to make more uh, intelligent um, investment decisions. So those are the the integrations and the ERP interfaces that we're currently um, working to build out. And so um, definitely looking forward to increasing our, um our functionality and, and our partnerships with the uh, yeah you know
1: if, if we you know like you remember that cumulus model that i started with if you had that uh, common key like a property id that just survived from the day the acquisition you know the deal was even considered all the way through into the erp system and through distribution that just brings so much of that data together um you know that that, that it is always an interesting part uh, of that piece uh, Stephen, how was the how was the for for you that level of integration that level of handoff? Did that work well? Yes,
2: yeah, so uh, I think Fieldpath really does a uh, a nice job with integration in in that it provides an API. We're, we're kind of hands on with our integrations, so you know when there is a good API that you can really you know push and pull data, um, we love that rather than just some sort of upload download. But um, one thing that Joe hasn't mentioned is they do have this ability for uh, end users to push data from an Excel. Like you can, an end user can define a temp, an Excel template and they could bring it right in without, you know, and that's more one time or maybe it's, you know, I'm not exactly sure every scenario where they use that. But it doesn't even involve IT, you know, IT can do the, the nightly job of, you know, pushing, pulling data back and forth but the users can do their ad hoc things that they need to do.
1: Interesting. Yeah. Oh, good. Well, Joe, thanks again. We're uh, we're gonna catch up with you at the end. We'll bring everybody back on in a second. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break and hear from Real Foundations.
4: Real Foundations is a professional services firm focused on helping companies that develop, own, operate, or invest in real estate make smarter, more profitable decisions. From the building itself to the way it's developed, operated, and capitalized, no firm understands the inner workings of the entire real estate ecosystem, as well as Real Foundations. We make real estate run better.
1: All right, we're back with Chris Johnson. Chris Johnson is the Senior Managing Consultant at Real Foundations. Uh, Chris, welcome.
5: Thank you very much, glad to be
1: here. You know, I think uh, one of the things that uh, Stephen had uh, 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 alluded to in his presentation was the idea of this uh, partnership, an implementation partner. Can you talk a little bit about some of the strengths like that with uh, with, with Real Foundations and how you approach a new project like this? Sure, absolutely. Um, yeah, our Real Foundations has, you know,
5: been doing this for a long while now, right? We've we've been at our core together for over 20 years, um, 22, um, and you know, our leadership team goes back even further than that. Um, we've delivered over 2,500 plus projects, and we also deliver uh, managed services to our clients co- across the globe. Um, we, you know, we we've been very successful in in pushing out projects, so we have a, a good idea about how to do that. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of the keys to our our success are just simply our core values, right? We're going to work hard. We're going to tell the truth, and we're going to do what we say we're going to do. Um, that's that's what we are. That's who we are. That's how we work, and we expect that of all of our our people. And I think we we deliver on that successfully day in and day out. Um, big parts of of what we do are trying to help um, organizations define the things that they're trying to solve for, right? What what are the key requirements across their enterprise that are trying to be solved for? Um, we, we like to take a, a good solid look at the work that's being done across an enterprise, either within that enterprise or on behalf of that enterprise, right? Because not everything is always done within your four walls. You may hire somebody else to do something for you on your behalf. And it's important to understand how they're impacted by the decisions that you make uh, with your technology solutions that you you implement and so what we we like to do is really take a, a holistic view of the enterprise and the work and and really start to strip it all down and understand what work is trying to be improved upon where are your challenges what are the things that that
1: perhaps are are not working so well today Well, and if i again working with a client my my next question if they're going to be selecting an investment management system is there one that's uh, real foundations is uh, more familiar with than others or or should i be very careful about which one we select and or should we be having real foundations help influence the selections based on your core competencies that's that would be a, a a very natural question from the executives sure um we as a firm do not necessarily push any single
5: application on a client and say, you you need to implement this solution, right? We're, that's not what we're in the business of doing. We're in the business of understanding all the different technologies that are out there and trying to help clients make those, those decisions that are going to be um, the best for them, right? And so we often run through selection projects where we're helping clients um, define requirements. But there are also cases where um, we're not necessarily doing a system selection. The client feels really confident that they've identified the right solution. Um, we're not going to come in and, and force you to go through a selection project if you, if we, you know, if we all collectively feel like that's not necessarily uh, necessary. But what we do want to make sure that the client has done successfully is properly define the requirements, the things that they're trying to solve for, right? And if, And if we feel, if everyone collectively feels like that has been established, then a lot of the times what we'll do is we'll take those requirements and we'll we'll do sort of our our own review of those requirements to make sure that you know it was there something perhaps that they've missed maybe there's something else that could be um, improved upon there Um, and then we'll start to align it with solutions or if they already have a solution in mind we can provide a quick opinion as to whether or not we believe that solution is is going to to meet their needs um, and then ultimately the decision rests with the client, but we're going to try to provide as as much insights and experience as we can um, on those sorts of decisions.
1: Yeah, that's very similar to the in my uh, data model. I don't resell anything. I'd rather sit on the side of the client and help them ask better questions Absolutely. and re- really help them uh, figure out you know which what's going to be the long term partnership with the vendor solution uh, that, you know that 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 they have. Did you see anything in the requirements that Stephen presented in this model, this representative company that would cause you concern that you would immediately want to go back and ask questions to get more information? Yeah, um,
5: I, I think I referenced this earlier about defining the work that an enterprise does. And oftentimes we'll hear from a client, we need a solution for deal management. We need a solution for accounting. Okay, um, that's great. That could mean a whole lot of things. So let's be more specific. Are we talking about debt accounting? Are we talking about fund accounting, property accounting, uh, development accounting? Right? There's all sorts of different pieces and parts of accounting, and the same with deal management. There's a lot going on in these processes, and uh, you know, one of the 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 fears or or things that uh, you know maybe mistakes that a client could make is is they. Just go to a vendor and say, hey, sh- I've heard really good things about you. Can you show me your product? And and, uh, and the client, you know, the, the vendor comes in and they just demo, you know, and start demoing and selling you all this stuff. Um, and then the next thing you know, you may have missed one of the most important things that you actually needed as a firm. And you didn't see that demo. And now you're like, well, they don't do debt accounting, so they're out. Um, But the reality is, is that they they actually did. So that's why requirements are are so important and making sure that you're properly defining them um, is really, really important and aligning them against the work that you're doing as well. Um, And if you understand that, then you can help ensure that um, you're you're not going to overlook anything that that's you know that that could ha- that could uh, be a potential challenge or, or or issue in your your enterprise. I had uh, a
1: prospect that was going to move from Timberline to uh, to another product, and they said they got a quote for implementation, and it was about like you know a twenty thousand dollar quote, and I thought uh, that seems like a very low quote for for a complete overhaul. Uh, I, I think one thing that I, I said we've got to get everybody together and define what done means to you. So if 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 the if the the client says done is this, and the vendor who's doing the implementation thought they understood what it was, and they think done is this, that gap starts to result in change orders, right? So. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, we we uh, we we prefer
5: to avoid the change order if at all possible. So yeah, we we like to go in fully scoped and and everyone on the same page as to
1: what's going to be delivered. Is there a formula that you've seen, you mentioned, you know, so many years of experience, is there a formula that you've seen that typically works based on a, a representative model like you've seen here? Like, let's, let's start with the investor portal piece. Let's get, get that piece done. Let's start, let's shore up the data piece. What, what's sort of the formula for success?
5: Yeah, um, uh, you know, I I think the answer is a very, very consultative answer, but it depends. Um, (laughs) um, But a lot of a lot of what happens um, is is really I think I think being in a a phased approach can often be a a great, great approach to um, to taking on large implementation projects. and a lot of it, you know, it's it's uh, the reason it depends is, is because of, you know, how much help do you need? How much budget do you have? How how good is your data? How quality is it? How much cleansing has to occur? What sort of buy-in and sponsorship do you have, et cetera, right? There's a number of factors that go into all, all of this from a project perspective. But the things that that I see that are done the most successfully are the ones that have clearly defined their objectives and their goals, that have clear ownership and executive sponsorship, right? And buy-in from the business, not just we're gonna push this product down to you and we expect you to use it, right? We want the business to all be involved in those decision-making processes and make sure they're bought in. Again, having a realistic plan. I think we, we've talked about this earlier too, that having, you can't just have a timeline that's got three lines on it, right? We've gotta have something that's realistic that's gonna lay out the blueprint for how we're going to get to each milestone in our in our project, and 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 also don't make it a secret, right? Communicate, 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 right? And rather than generically saying that, right? It's it's building those relationships with the people that are involved in the process, building relationships with your partners that are going to be helping you either in the implementation process or the vendors that are providing you with those products. They all want to help you. Everyone wants to see a successful outcome because that's a direct reflection on our, our reputations and, and our reputations are highly important to us. So building those relationships, writing things down and communicating, you know, across your enterprises um, and creating methods for folks to collaborate and work together. Um, it's, it should never just be a one-way relationship, right? It should always be about hearing from the business but also telling them what's going on, what are our risks, what are the things that
1: we're concerned about um, and so forth, so. All right, I'm going to look right into the camera and tell all the users watching this. It's 60, it's 70 minutes in. Rewind this three minutes and listen to Chris's uh, uh, information over and over and take notes, okay? Because what he just said is so important to the success of a project. What do you think, Stephen?
2: I, I definitely agree. And, you know, I would say sometimes when you're doing the, you know, coming up with all those requirements and prioritizing them, you have these different stakeholders and it's different importance based upon the stakeholder. And sometimes they become mini projects within the project. Um, And then the, you know, the implementation uh, services group are the marriage counselors (laughs) sometimes. (laughs) I'm very often a marriage counselor in this too, but you know, you gotta be Switzerland and, and play off the different groups.
1: Well, I think, uh, uh, you know, the other piece, too, is uh, when when people are assigned to the project, you know, the core the core project team has got to stay together. When the project starts to get bigger and bigger and then people that you can't get their time, the resources that you just can't get their time. And now the project continues to get delayed. And the longer it gets delayed, the risk starts to go up. What do you how, do, what, how Chris, uh, how, how do you mitigate that idea—is it through sprints? Is that—is that really the answer? Is see quick wins very quickly? Um, it, it can be. It can be that. Um,
5: it de- again, sorry, it depends on sort of the the kind of uh, uh, project and system that's getting implemented. Um, and I, I think that the 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 early wins, quick wins that you can find in a project are always going to help create momentum and establish just you know everyone's belief that hey, we can do this thing. Right. Um, so that's always going to be important. Some of the large, like ERP implementations, um, you know, they just are going to be a long haul project, generally speaking, and they're just going to take time. And so, again, we've got to keep people energized and, you know, keep them involved in the project. Right. Don't just talk to them once and then we'll come back to you in three, four months. Right. And that's not what we want to do. We want you to constantly be engaged and constantly be a part of it. And right. So we we have. We at RF, we, we do a, a very stringent sort of methodology to the way that we implement uh, uh, projects, and, and we're, we're going to follow that and help lay out a path for, and everyone will understand that path as as we get going, but it's going to set us all up for success. And all along the way, we're trying to mitigate risk and include folks so that the change, when it does come, will be a little less on everybody. And everyone feels like they had some part of that project and had some some bit of ownership in what they have done so
1: that when it's delivered, they
5: can say, I made that decision. I, I was think a one part of
1: the things that, I, that I've seen uh, too is that when people realize they they start to see the results, those sprints turn into results, they see the results and they're like, wow, I didn't know you could do that. And now that I know you can do that, can you do this new thing? And you're like, well, that now the scope starts to change, right? So that's that's quite uh, quite interesting. Well, Chris, uh, we're gonna uh, bring everybody back on in a second, um, but thank you again for that information. I think, again, go back to minute 70, rewind three minutes, play that over again, you'll all be better off for it, I'm just telling you. Let's do a quick survey while then everybody else can come back on and we'll have a little round, uh, a little round table. I like to throw a survey up about uh, waterfall distributions. Everybody else can turn their camera on, unmute, come back in. So I, I'm very interested in the in the in the in the live group that we have on now. Uh, are you would you know do you rely on a vendor system to do waterfall calculations, or do you think your company can only do these uh, complex JV partner uh, GP LP uh, waterfall distributions in Excel you're always going to be doing it in Excel. Do you, is there a combination of both or if you're not sure. So I'll give you a second to take a look at that because it makes a big difference. If you know if, if the vendors are saying they have a waterfall system and you look at them and go, well they'll never be able to model what we do, then it's it' probably never get part of the implementation. Let me see the results of what we've got so far. Very good. Excel only. 40% vendor system only. Zero. So, all right. So, all of you vendors who've got waterfall modeling uh, and you've got a combination of both, 20%, don't know. uh, That's fine. So, let's talk about that for a second. I got everybody back on. Chris, I'm just going to start with you. You were on first. Uh, That level of complexity can be tough for people to buy in on. Um, How do you approach that?
3: Well, I think I think you have to have a realistic approach to waterfalls. I think anybody, any vendor, anybody else who comes in and tells you they can do 100% of your waterfalls is either lying to you or doesn't really understand the industry. to Be honest with you. So, um, I think part of this is understanding the complexity. Part of this is seeing where you can automate and where you can. I'm not surprised to see clients doing some in a solution and some in Excel. Uh, there are certain things. You know, I always say that the waterfalls are as crafty as the deal people, and they're constantly coming up with with new ways to to uh, come up with different deal structures that may not always be able to be fully automated in a system. Uh, but that being said, there are efficiencies that can be gained. There are expectations around, you know, key person dependencies with spreadsheets, um, you know, potential errors with spreadsheets to be concerned about audit risk with spreadsheets. So yeah. there's a balance there between the efficiencies and systematizing that that you have to to look at on a client by client basis.
1: Yeah, Rich, I think whenever we first talked about it, you, you said you never met a model that you didn't like and you couldn't you couldn't model. So I, I'm going to challenge that idea. And so I, I saw from from our from this, it looks pretty. Looks like a pretty big deal. So what do you think?
0: Yeah, I don't know if I would. I'm not sure if I said that, but <laughs> I don't know if I would say that. uh 100%. I I I would agree with Chris. 100% is just if you know, there there there's it's not possible 100%. What I would say is, you know, for the 40% that are that are doing Excel only. Absolutely, there are um, there are things we can model. Uh, I, I would I would say a hundred percent of your waterfalls certainly don't have to be done in Excel, and um, you know for the same reasons that Chris stated, um, you know there's potential for errors in Excel. Uh, you know there's there's you know potential audit issues. You want to be able to do those calculations if you can, in a system that's auditable and uh, traceable. So. Um, you know, our the systems uh, obviously need to have a high degree of flexibility from a waterfall standpoint and from a structure standpoint because the two go hand in hand, um, meaning the ownership structure. Um, and you know, I would say our customers do a very high percentage of their waterfalls in the in the waterfall tool. Um, you also, with a waterfall a waterfall tool, you have to have the ability to import results from an external source if it has to be done externally. Uh, so you want to be able to have the ability to import results and you know publish that in, in, in your system so you have access to all the distribution data um, you know within the application. Got so it. I would say we can do a high percentage of them. I would never say a hundred percent. All right, but, good. But well, uh, uh, we can Chris, help a lot uh, yeah.
1: for Chris Johnson. Uh, when a when a client, a potential client, comes on and says, you know that that's that's really a big problem for us. Would you generally kind of steer them uh, to to, uh, to in a different way to prioritize how the implementation was going to go, so that you get to that a little bit later? Uh, how would you do that? The work is really hard, right? So. <laughs> um i
5: think that um we often find that it's a it's a, a latter phase type of initiative that will take place however um you know if there's opportunities to take on some simpler waterfalls that are quite straightforward and just integrate that into the initial uh rollout of your investment accounting platform um you know sure by all means i i, I don't you know there's not 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 usually an issue um with doing something like that um, but the more complicated ones, there's a lot of switches and, and things that you have to get right. And you need good quality, clean data, right? Because you can't just rely on data going forward, you gotta rely on the past as well. And if you don't have that readily available to you, then you're gonna have struggles with that. And 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 then, you know, with Excel, you know, anything can happen. And maybe there was that that fun word of a plug that was in there somewhere, somewhere along the way that someone made to, to get it to work. Now we've got to figure out how to get it to work in in the new system, right? So those are challenges, but um, they can all be overcome. Completely agree with the the rest of the guys that, um, you know, 100% likely not possible, but um, you know, also depends on the the enterprise. Some some folks have relatively straightforward across their entire platform. Um, Some have some of those crazy, crazy structures that
1: um, you see. All right, yeah. there you go, seventy nine minutes. In again, and again, you guys rewind that. Listen to this guy. I'm just telling. You, all right, Joe. Uh, you know, if I had a client that was, they had a lot of requirements similar to what Stephen outlined here. You want to bring in a, a, a an acquisition system, a deal system. Uh, Would you prefer to work together at the same time with the other implementation team and get these things done in parallel? Or is it just, you know, wait a minute, let's let's keep these things prioritized. Where would you like to be in an ideal solution when it comes to someone who wants to do do both things at the same time?
6: Yeah, I mean, I have absolutely no issue with um, entering into the picture when our, our clients are sort of reevaluating their entire tech ecosystem, um, which is also why I love working um, with consultants and advisories, um, like Real Foundations, because the thinking is there, right? The mindset is there. They're laying everything out. They're getting a really good understanding of where data lives, what's the source system, what are the systems of truth, um, and, you know, and mapping it all out. Where are the integration points? Where do they need to be? Um, so having that and, and participating in that conversation actually leads to a much more successful implementation project and then being able to create value right from right from go live. Um, so I actually prefer that scenario.
1: Oh, OK, great. Stephen, uh, back to you. Did you find that there was uh arguing or confrontation about how the project should be laid out or, or 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 did it all just go beautifully smooth?
2: How did how did things go? Well I can't say everything goes smooth in a in a project but you know I think you know as long as everybody's goals are aligned um that's you know that's the most important thing. You know when you're when you're phasing it um like Chris was suggesting with uh investment management you know, you you're probably gonna pick a fund, you know, so that fund is gonna have the toughest, but that fund is gonna is gonna uh, create the path, and and the following funds are gonna follow along behind that. So you know, it's good and bad to be first. Got it. Um, Got it. I'm for saying, for, I'm for bad, I think. All right, for Chris. <laughs> Parry. bad for the users. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I love it that you guys are also uh, so so kind to each other, and you you know you like working together. And you know, Joe was talking about the you know the the blue skies and the and and the great integration project. Chris for Chris Barbier, um, I think uh, when you come into a project with a with a client, and uh, uh, what what are you what are you most concerned about as far as you know the collection process, hearing the requirements, and and seeing things, you just you know you want it to be successful. And I think you mentioned too earlier. Let me re- modify my thought a little bit. Just popped into my head. A lot of times you're you're replacing the Excel. Those clouds in the cumulus model are Excel functions yep. that people have built in. Is there is there a good way to, to to move forward in a safe and prioritized way and moving the data? Talk to that a little bit.
3: Well, I think it goes to a couple of things. I think the, the executive sponsorship and kind of an oversight, because I think, I think Stephen, you might even hit on this earlier about there are some people that, like their spreadsheets and don't want to give it up, even though they should be giving them up from an efficiency perspective. So I think that overall, you know, uh, business and and sponsorship is important. The phasing is important. Um, And I think a realistic, and, and I think Chris, the other Chris can speak to this as well, a realistic expectation of what it really takes for your internal staff um and i think and the and the work that they have to put in to an implementation regardless of what that is i think sometimes that gets you know a, a little bit underestimated because everybody has a day job and a night job as well um and while they're using third-party consultants to help with that they ultimately have to own it afterwards so um, i think there's some realistic expectation setting that has to be set for whatever that initial scope is as well
1: got it got rich for rich uh, you know, interestingly enough, I, I've not dealt with a client that is is using folio Investment Management. I, I was familiar with the property management side uh, and, I, you know, a lot of people that was very strong. Uh, when did the investment management side come along and how did the two things work together?
0: Yeah, so the um, uh, and there's a good reason you've heard of the property management solution, because it's been around since our inception. Um, the. Uh, the investment management solution is uh, several years old, three or four years. Uh, we have actually over a thousand clients on it, believe it or not, in that short period of time. So there are many, many customers uh, running at folio uh, investment management, but the uh, the property management and the general ledger uh, predate the IM tool, and um, yeah so you know we've been at it for a while but not as long as the property management
1: got it i i think i'd love to uh, you know talk more later about case studies as we start start to feature case studies in some of our other realcom this is kind of a plug for realcom coming up in june right because we're trying to put together case studies in investment management and we really enjoy giving clients you know like like our viewers uh, whether they're live or whether they're seeing this as a recording You really should consider <laughs> going, doing that uh, to to see what people have done uh in in the different space and so uh again coming back to chris johnson we'll make our way around here a little bit the uh, uh what are you when you go to real and your team goes to real and you see some of that interaction what would you advise some of the end users here as far as the investment management some information they can get there
5: sure i think there's a wealth of information available i think just go in with your eyes wide open um there's no there's no um magic right there's no there's no single thing that's going to to solve all the issues that you have i think again just be realistic about about the the things that you're trying to to solve for understand what you're trying to solve for as well right so don't go in just like i want that i want this i want this right where we want to we want to just be realistic about you know those those solutions and then talk to talk to these guys talk to talk to your vendors and talk to the the consultants out there that that have seen how other organizations have have dealt with it and talk to your peers they're there talk to them Talk to them about how they've done these projects, about what the things that they're seeing as well. Um, there's a wealth of information just in in chatting and, and having a,
1: just a quick combo, right? Got it. Joe, what's next for a deal path? I think you guys are constantly growing. Is there anything you can share without, uh, you know, being arrested? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean,
6: yeah. So, you know, we we are in a unique position that, um, you know, We've we've got to a place where we can start thinking about more upstream, right? Um, I was alluding to it earlier. You know, how can we interface upstream? How can we interface downstream? So one thing that we're working on is um, being the place to go to for um, new opportunities, right? So how do we how do we interface with the brokerage houses? How do we interface with JLL, with um, CBRE, with Cushwake, and 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 take in those opportunities so that when end users um log into the platform uh they can see a variety of opportunities with um, various data fields enough to make decisions on whether they want to move that opportunity into their pipeline sign the ca and start working that deal on the flip side we're also enabling our users to really create a robust deals database that they understand what's going on across the country across the world in different markets um with the ultimate goal of you know being that end-to-end marketplace for deal management to yield out more sophisticated um, investment managers
1: good all right Stephen. last word fast forward three two three years from your model where where's things today
2: with the ra advisors well from we we did implement the, the all of those investment accounting pieces the the pieces that i said you know, potential in the future are still potential in the future. Um, for deal management, we have implemented um, that deal management, and um, and we we've done even more than those those three kind of components. Um, we you know are kind of very flexibly looking at what is uh, what we're counting as a deal. Um, Got it.
0: Got it. And, and we, do make
2: it, we do make use of uh, implementation services when we need it and managed services. Um, you know, I, I think um, most of the companies like Real Foundations um, and the other ones out there, they use the foot in the door strategy of start doing one thing very well and say, hey, let's give them this. Let's give them this other piece.
1: Well, I think the, the you know the uh, we we must have asked great questions because I see no questions came in from the audience. So uh, it, it was a I love these interactive sessions. Thank you guys so much. Thanks to all our panelists for the you know just valuable contributions. Thanks, Stephen, for putting together the model. Uh, we hope to duplicate some of this at uh, at the RealCom event during the investment management track. So uh, it is a little bit of a new format. And for for our live uh, audience and those watching this recording, thank you for tuning in. And be sure to check out Friday's broadcast of RealCom Live. That's at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Europe. And Jim Young typically does an interview. This time he's going to be with Steve Koshrain and Craig Stevenson. Our next webinar, part three of the Enterprise Tech Series, airs a week from today. It's May 19th. And that will be uh, accelerating the back office digitization, automating everything. We focused on investment management today. This brings in everything else. And finally, be sure to go to realcom.com to register for the Realcom iBecome conference event. It's in Orlando, June 15th and 16th with a golf outing and a pre-conference event earlier in the week. Uh, Use promo code RC22web1. You see that here. Uh, through June for a discount on registration. Uh, I, I would suspect it's probably true. Everybody's going to be there that's here on this uh, webinar. So we will see you there if if we just scratched the surface. So if you have more questions, it's a great place to be, great place to interact, great place to listen to case studies and get in, interactive with the vendors uh, and listen to success stories. and. Listen to the people who stepped on the landmines uh, that have already gone down the path of what you're planning to do. So with that, I hope to see you all there. And that's it for us today. We wish you well. Be safe. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Chuck. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. You're in Orlando.